Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips and guest speakers, all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is small business. And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim. Morning, Sergeant. I guess that would be us, wouldn't it? So how are you this morning, man? Hey, great. So we're going to take this off pretty fast. So uh, you can contact me at uh, 407-754-5779 or craig at vetsgrowth.com. And your email's back up and working like it's supposed to? Yeah, it's getting flooded. Good, good. I'm Tim at GRP, 407-862-6882 and Tim at grpstudios.com. We're going a little bit quicker today because we got a Marine major in the house, right? Do we do we call the deck to attention? Or? I no, we we <laughs> probably should, but I was thinking about something earlier today, and I can probably do something different with some of the sounding. He might, I don't know, think he would appreciate some of the stuff we got going on here. He probably wouldn't, so we won't. I won't do a call to action, you know, unless unless you really, you know, he's, I, I think he's like twenty years younger, as and you know, he's kind of like I mean, really stocky. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> I can do that with that, you know, Mike. No, nah, we won't do that. He's 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 long past those days. But Major Baron Mills is here today. Uh, you've got a bunch of stuff going on. We'll introduce all the stuff you have going on at some point. But thanks for taking time out of your very busy day, and you'll understand why when we just tell you what he what he does. But thank you for being here today. Happy to be here with you guys. Absolutely. Good, good. And I, before we get started, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Give some contact information. So how can somebody get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? So I think we're going to talk about three primary things to do today. One is uh, FAVOB, the Florida Association of Veteran Businesses. So uh, Mills at favob.org. That's my email there. Uh, although I'd always ask everybody to go on LinkedIn or Facebook and, and uh, do things with us there. Four Block, they can contact me at bmills at fourblock.org. And then um, the Camaraderie Foundation, I just use my personal email for that one. That's Mills, all one word, at gmail.com. Yeah, he's all over the place. I, so think, I, I think he's got a chauffeur. I think he's got a chauffeur. He's got a nice truck out there. I so, wish. again, Major Baron Mills, 20-year Marine veteran, retired from the Marine Corps. That's right. Executive Director of Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses, FAVOB. The title for today was FAVOB, not FUBAR. For those of us of a military, you've, you've heard of FUBAR before, haven't you? No. Where'd you get I that? know you've heard of FUBAR. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, who has it? came out of actually World War II. We, we go, this oh, is a, I wasn't born. This is I a was... PG show, but FUBAR fouled up beyond all recognition. They, except they use a different term for that. Yeah, usually it's different F, uh, F word up front there. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you must not have been F-bomb. involved in anything uh, exactly. kind of screwy or, or Bohica. Again, World War, a Vietnam era term for military. Bohica. Bend over here, it comes again. <laughs> no? And then Snafu. <laughs> snafu. Okay. Okay, so this is Favob, not Fubar. We'll go with it that way. I cannot believe you have never heard of Fubar, but anyways, whatever. I guess um, I'm just a good, clean kid. Career readiness instructor with Four Block, and we talked about a little bit about that. Career Camaraderie Foundation board member. That's right. You're certified in board orientation from the Edith Bush Institute for Philanthropy and Nonprofit Leadership at Rollins. They really got it going on, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. Let's talk a little, give us your military background so we can understand why you're doing what you're doing now. All right. So a big lead into me being in the military was uh, two things. Number one, I grew up in a military brat. My my dad was, uh, my dad's 30 year retired uh, army colonel, Vietnam veteran. So I grew up, you know, I'm posting installations, uh, Germany, all over the the States and stuff. So I had that exposure, but then I'm, I'm a 
I'm a kid of uh, Top Gun. Oh yeah. You, you know, when you're you're in that 11 to 14 year age group, things really influence you. And that's when Top Gun came out, and I, and I watched it. and I was like, heck yeah. So I already kind of was leaning towards the military, and I was like, full on, I want to want to be a pilot. And then uh, uh, senior year in high school is when I found out I couldn't see, and that was back when um, you couldn't get like LASIK and stuff, and for it to count in the military. Yep. So so I went in. Uh, then went to a military uh, college and um, ended up getting an ROTC uh, contract with the Marine Corps. Everybody goes to college for different reasons. I went purely to get a commission. That's like, yeah, I, I, nothing I, wrong with that. I, I got a I got a chemistry degree actually, which I haven't used day one since it was just a means to an end. That's, that's more of a story. Couldn't that, you have picked something a little no. bit easier than chemistry? Nope. Okay. That was that was the easiest path for me to get a <laughs> really, degree. and it's, it's a few different reasons. Yeah. Okay. But um, that was that was the best path for me. So um, I remember going to a uh, like we were like at a Sherman uh, Williams factory or plant and stuff and I'm with the other chemistry majors and they're like talking about getting jobs after you're and I'm like let's get out of here and stuff I got marine stuff to go do and yeah everything you know that was just so um I, I wanted to, I wanted to serve in the Marine Corps and uh I did from 1996 to 2016 I was an infantry officer it's, gonna, it's one of those things uh the, the Marine Corps is built around the infantry and so uh that was definitely not put into my head when I was still in college and um and so I was I was I was sweating it, but I was I felt lucky to get infantry officer uh, designation. And then um, prior to to nine eleven, you know, I lived the, the typical life as far as um, you, you were training to be ready for contingency and so forth. I was platoon commander, and then I uh, went to uh, security forces for the Marine Corps and, and did some stuff there. And then went to a school, and then that's when um, OAF one took place. And I remember also uh, we were sitting there, all the students like, okay, we're missing out on everything. And uh, but the information coming to us was, guys, don't worry, this thing is not going to be over for yeah, it for won't some be time. it won't be yeah. over shortly. So then when I uh, after that I went to be a, be a company commander out in Twenty Nine Palms, California, and for those first six months or so, we we thought it was done that everybody was just coming back stateside, and then that's when things ramped up again, and we all started getting deployed back for both sustained operations in Afghanistan and Iraq. So I did two Iraq deployments. I later did uh, an Afghanistan deployment. And then a um, big part of my story now is 10 years ago, I came here to Orlando. A lot of people don't realize that there is a small Marine Corps detachment element here in, in Orlando. First Marine Division? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, there's, the, there's the association. Okay. All right. No, but there's uh, PM Trace. This is a small okay. organization. So I, I came here and uh, for three years to defense acquisitions. Then I actually got uh, reassigned to Marine Forces South in Miami the last two years of my career. So I officially retired out of there. But I knew that Orlando had a lot of opportunity. I, I I liked the life here, and I, and I saw what um, the possibilities were. So I did that as a as a geo bachelor. Just came back and forth every every week, and then retired in 2016. And then um, that new phase of my life, which I'm still figuring out, started then. So part of that is I had no idea how to get a job. Job kind of landed in my lap. So I, I spent a year as a program manager for defense contract. Left that, and then that's when I went on this crazy journey I'm on, where I just kind of get involved in a lot of things, too many things. Uh, a lot of which are, are nonprofits in the in the veteran space, and so I think that's where we're gonna hit on some now. Yeah. Some of those so, doing. what did what skills did you develop in the Marine Corps that led to your primary focus today, which we're gonna talk about nonprofits? Yeah. So I, you know, the first half of my career was all the kind of the fun stuff you think about for for Marines. Yeah, fun, it's fun, fun stuff. Yeah, the fun stuff you think about the uh, the military being, you know. Getting in the mud, being out in the desert, um, you know, shooting um, glun- patrol- guns, blowing stuff yeah, up, patrol- yeah, going through the woods. I mean, that's that. That was my first ten years uh, with a couple overseas deployments, and then um, my last ten years really being a staff officer. And those staff officer 
duties or really prepared me for what I'm doing now. And what that is, is being an action officer, being somebody who has to understand the bigger picture and know where you plug into that and, and trying to help everybody else get their stuff towards that, that bigger picture as well. So I had to, as an operations officer, run a, a schoolhouse with, you know, thousands of um, Marines coming through it per year, doing a, a variety of different types of training. I had to, to run, you know, multi-million dollar acquisition programs, had to plan events for, you know, top, top level generals across the, uh, the U.S. and South America, plug into train, training exercises that um, multinational forces utilize in simulations and, and virtual, uh, you know, input and everything. So, a lot of different things that really drive towards problem solving. Just, hey, this needs to happen. Mills, it's your job to go figure out how to make this make this happen. So you do that, and uh, that prepares you to be able to feel like you can just about anything. Now, we were talking beforehand. I've got a, a friend. I know a guy that it was a Marine says, well, we don't plan. We just jump out of the window and grow wings on the way down. I said, well, okay, I guess so. But for you, it was a lot about planning, about putting stuff together, but you also said you're a procrastinator and you had a great quote from somebody that you had had worked with. What did he tell you about procrastinating? If you wait till the last minute, it only takes a minute. There you go. I got to remember that one. I wish that was the one I had. (laughs) It's just like, you know, I am a procrastinator because I tend to do the same thing. Just kind of wait. You said you think about creating stuff. There's actually a great TED talk on it um, years ago about the procrastination monster and stuff. And it's for somebody who's a professional procrastinator like myself, it's not about completely waiting till the last minute. You you basically don't get the task done till the last minute, but you're thinking about the task weeks, months in advance in some cases. So you've already got the game plan. You're just waiting until you're ready to, to, to execute it. And you're, you're preparing. So Absolutely. kind of a lot of what you're doing today. So you've worked with a lot of nonprofits. We'll kind of end the, the first half here, and then we'll talk a little bit more in detail. Fairware, Fairware, wow, obviously not enough today. Fairway for Warriors, Central Florida Marine Corps Foundation, First Marine Division, which I've had some experience with. You invited us out for kids and supportive soldiers mm-hmm. to talk to the First Marine Division, the Central Florida chapter in the Navy League, Camaraderie Foundation, just to name a few. Why do these groups appeal to you? What is it that says, I need to be involved here? Yeah. So, I mean, about half of those, I've just been a member uh, in some way. And, and well, we didn't, you know, we don't want to make it sound like you were the president but, or anything. No, but, 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 but part of it is just getting exposure to all these different things. So there's a constant need. I don't care what community you're talking about, whether it's the veteran community. Every, every, every community has needs. Everybody has issues that they're trying to tackle. You know, some of them are like really tough ones, like, you know, drug abuse or homelessness, mental health and stuff. Some of them are more like, hey, we need to get this area cleaned up. You know, we need to, to beautify this part or, or put, you know, better programs in place for higher performing folks and everything. All these things are driven by a personal passion. It certainly stems from my military service. But what I think needs to be done is all based off the last five years since I got out of the military. And that's my own experience of haphazardly falling into a job. In that job, I hired 18 people over a year. And that experience, about uh, two-thirds of those were veterans I hired. That experience exposed me to what veterans are doing right and wrong and trying to get, get jobs and, and, and then employers hiring. Um, I got exposed to some people who are doing some really great things in the, in the veteran space, business and, uh, and otherwise. And, um, and it helped me you know, create some of my own philosophy, which is that veterans need, need to better own being a veteran. I focus on the veteran transition from the military employment entrepreneurship because, uh, number one, there are a number of veterans in the workspace that are underemployed. They're not doing as much as they can do. And, and it's not usually because they don't want to do more. It's because employers don't know to ask them to do more or aren't giving them the chance to do more. 
And that's why you see so many um, veterans leaving their first job in, in a year or less normally. It's because they realize this is under what I should be doing. I'm either not getting paid what I'm worth or I should be doing more than this. The biggest impact we can make is as veterans is either having companies that employ people or being in senior management positions where we can um, bring more folks in. So I, I want to focus on that because I think a lot of these other, other issues that exist in the veteran community are because there aren't enough people well-employed that have a, a, a new passion or something that, to keep them occupied and drive them forward and so forth. Yeah, we've had Matt Wood. Matt Wood. Super guy. Super guy. Was talking about the same thing. He likes to work with companies that can better understand how to hire a veteran and what they need to do. So it's great. I'm glad you kind of led with that because there's some other things you want to talk to and and we may get to Favob, we may not, because it really is talking about how veterans, when you get out of the military, a lot of them think one of two things. A, I'm going to come out and they're just going to give me a six-figure job because I am an E8, E9, I'm an officer, so I'm just going to come out and I'm going to get this job because somebody's going to give it to me. Or they come out and say, what I did doesn't translate. I'm not going to be able to do anything except be a greeter at Walmart. So we can talk about both of those things when we come back and how you're changing that. Stay tuned. The guys will be right back with more on how to check your six. Command Canine Service Dogs is a nonprofit organization that provides professional service dog training free of charge to disabled veterans. And we do this thanks to your generous donations. We are a group of veteran dog handlers that have joined together for the common interest of helping fellow veterans. We strive to obtain the best quality of life possible for disabled veterans through the assistance of a properly trained service dog. Follow us on Facebook for the latest news on our organization or check out our website, Command Canine Service Dogs com for more information. All right, we are back for the second half, and this thing is not. There we go. Timer wasn't working. You know, technology. I love it and I hate it to what, death. Wait a minute, maybe the chemist major knows that because I. Really you know, yes. <laughs> I'd have to open up a chemistry book to tell you anything about chemistry. Oh, I. <laughs> Has anybody, well, and some people do, but have you used anything you learned from high school or college as opposed to mathematics and geometry? I mean, do you use that stuff all the time? I don't know. Maybe you do. Baron Mills is here, Major Baron Mills, retired Marine. The first half, we were talking about the military, employment, and during the break, we were talking about some things. Uh, one of the things we were talking about was the, the, quote, PTSD issue that seems to be out there. Yes. So when it's not working between, you know, the employer bringing on veterans and veterans getting that plumb they want, it's two. It's, it's a breakdown of the two-way street. It's, information has to go both ways um, as far as educating each other about what each, each one can offer and also each one knowing that each one exists and so forth. So as a Marine, right, November 10th is our birthday, which falls the day before November 11th, which is Veterans Day. I've always known Veterans Day, Veterans Day existed, but I never knew there was a conflict until I got out of the Marine Corps. Like, when you're in the Marines, it's just, it's the birthday weekend. And you get the birthday, you take off. It's just nice that there's a 96 involved because of Veterans Day. Now, as a, as a veteran, you're like, there's all these competing things. There's stuff going on for the birthday and the um, and the and Veterans Day. So, um, 
I don't even remember what tangent I started going off on. The, that, but you, were, you were talking about some of the relationships. But, we could... So as I've gotten smarter on things, you know, now being a veteran and not still active duty, one of those things is you see, and it's it's throughout the year, but especially during those times, you see a lot of focus, you know, on on, on stories and, and ads and stuff. And it's it's always about the veterans that need the most help, which they do. But because those are the prevalent stories about those that have been wounded and those that have severe PTSD and so forth, it basically means that I think the stereotype of most veterans to the average um, American is, well, they've got, they're all dealing with some significant issues and so forth. And that's not the reality. The reality is that, that most veterans don't have PTSD and are extremely capable and really just want to be, be valued and, and, and put to work by somebody else. And so I think we've got to keep correcting that, make sure employers understand that, hey, your most capable workforce is probably looking yeah, right in the eye and so forth. You talk to veterans. One of those is 20 or 21-year-old in the military, you know, junior enlisted, probably a E4. Maybe they've been lucky and got an E5 by now. You know, they're getting up at 5, 5, 30 in the morning. They're probably going to run uh, PT. Then they're cleaning up. Then they're going to the shop to see what's going on. Then they might be teaching a class during the day. They probably got a meeting or two. They got to uh, arrange things for next week, for three or four months from now. And then half of them have a family too and so forth. Like, And they're not getting home till seven, eight, nine at night. The, the amount of responsibility that a, a young 20, 21-year-old in the military takes on, the, the average college student the same age can't even fathom it. Not, not even close. You're right. Yeah. And so, what, You're right. so one of the problems is that employers just don't realize this at, at all, right? And, I, and it, it really dawned on me when I went through... Um, Leadership Orlando a few years back, and that was I got that a seat to do that through um, a great program the Camaraderie Foundation runs. Uh, and so one of the days we got the Orlando Economic Partnership, they're in there talking to us about the region. A really, really great presentation. And then one of the key things was they talked about because for for major corporations to stay and come, or even you know new 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 up and coming companies to stay and come to any region. Uh, talent pool matters. It's really important. And so they throw up this slide and talks about within a hundred, 150 mile radius, there's 500,000, you know, like college students. And that's, that's like their, that's like their cell. I'm like, well, where's the slide talking about the 300,000 veterans around here yep. who many of whom have college degrees, but all of whom have experience that these companies are craving. I went to one, um, I was Part of uh, one little, it just meets twice a year, business advisory council for um, for Valencia College. And I was in there and there was a, a woman from Darden Restaurants. And she was like, it's like our biggest deficit is we don't have leaders for our teams. We need leaders. I'm like, I got got 20000 a year coming out of the military that could do that. And she just kind of like, it just. Right over her head. Yeah. She was like, yeah, but I don't think that's what we, like, they have no idea the capability these young men and women uh, well because well unless they can't unless they were a cook in the military they're not going to understand but what they don't get is that person that came out whatever it is e5 e6 e4 whatever they come out as at some point they're going to have some responsibility and do just what you said they're going to have reports to write they're going to have things to do they're going to have they're going to understand structure they're going to know how to do this stuff so they're just to blow it off but school in the military is almost 24 7 because you're always learning, you know, you're absolutely, you're always learning. And, and because we're so confined in our, our space that we have so much responsibility to, to accommodate, you get out in the college, you're in a college. Hey, let's go party. No, man, you don't, you don't have that. Life and the and you're not so only you're learning your job. You're sometimes learning somebody else's job because yep. when you deployed, you didn't just, you know, it's not stay in your lane kind of thing. You need to know everybody's lane in case something happens. 
So you have to develop that ability as well, which a lot of people don't talk about in the workforce. Well, I do my job. Yeah, but as a supervisor or management, you need to know everybody's job. Right. Again, daily, weekly basis in the military is that exactly what you're talking about. Like you're not going to see in a civilian uh, company where a manager says, hey, I'm going to be gone for the next week. You're going to fill my shoes and do your job too. They just kind of like keep things going until I get back. Now in the military, you're told that that person's gone for medical reasons or taken off on leave, you know, vacation. Uh, You're going to have to step up because someone has to do that person's job while while they're gone. And so again, the, the amount of responsibility placed on these, you know, young people is, is, is the average American just doesn't understand how much really, certainly the average employer does not understand uh, the capabilities that these. No, but when you ask, when you ask a military member to do something, it's done. So that's part of it too, is, um, so one of the the big problems on the veteran side is, is we underestimate really what we can do. We know we can do a lot of stuff, but we have no way to also sell it. We don't know how to frame what we did during our time in the military and, and state that in a way in, in a, on a resume or in a um, in an interview for the other person to understand. So that's, you know, leading into one of my things, Four Block. That's that's one of the things we really focus on there um, with with the program. It's Four Block's a national nonprofit, 501c3, established 11 years ago by, by Mike Abrams, currently a lieutenant colonel in the reserves. And um, it's to get high-performing veterans into corporate America. And so we just started our fall cohort for Orlando two weeks ago. I'm getting ready to do our third week this week. And that's one of the, the, the key focuses, not just on telling your story, but on highlighting that a lot of things we do in the military are incredible things, but we're around incredible people every day that we think, ah, it's just another day at the office, right? And we, we undersell it to ourselves and stuff. And, and now you have to realize that that little feat was, that little, that little you know, saving the day would go over big in a civilian world and stuff. So you need they, to be they able don't, to pull it they out. Don't, they don't make it a big thing out of it. It's an everyday occurrence that you have contingency plans. As we talked about this last time. Yeah. And everybody knows uh, about SOP. In, in the civilian world, if you don't have somebody coming to work, who fills in? Everybody not, goes panic mode. I'm not feeling good today, so I don't think I can come into work. That's I think that's one of the major issues of the military. When you get out, you're just used to things happening. But why, why should a business even consider hiring a veteran if there's all those issues and challenges that may come with hiring them? What, what's the benefit they get? So the first thing is, so I don't know if the issues and challenges are outside of giving that individual enough that challenges them. So they're going to get great work ethic. They're going to get a team player. The military is about being a team. Everybody talks about the importance of diversity in the workspace. There's no more diverse organization, I think, in the world than the United States military. I mean, you want to talk about a melting pot of America and even like we've got non-U.S. citizens in the military. I think a lot of people understand that. Like we, we, we take them all and we put them to work and we say, we don't care where you came from, how y'all grew up, what part of the country or the world you're from, get the job done. And you do, you figure out how to do it. it, it like what kind of employer doesn't want that kind of, you know, person who's got that experience on their team? That, yeah. That's the key factor. It's like uh, what the major is saying, it's all about productivity. If you want your business to grow, we've got the people for you. You got the people that can do it. Um, well, just talk briefly. You talked about four blocks. FAVOB, the Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses. You've been executive director of that for a while. What does what's FAVOB's focus and mission? What do they what do you what do they really want to accomplish? So, so FAVOB is about nine years old, and um, it breaks it down to the CIA: connect, inform, advocate. Now, on top of all that, is the advocate piece. So we go back to, and, and there will be new reports coming out in the coming years, I'm sure, but the last census report, the SBA did a, um, a study out of that, 
And they, they, they threw out a number per state of estimated veteran businesses. And, and for Florida, it was around 186,000 veteran businesses in our state, generating about $58 uh, billion a year in annual revenue. You know, that, that's a pretty big, staggering number. Collectively, though, this, those veteran businesses don't have a, a voice in the state of Florida. Um, and we should. We should have the biggest voice, in fact, across all, all um, groups of, uh, of businesses in the state. And so that's why FAVOB exists, is to be that voice. To, to speak on behalf of veteran businesses, to improve conditions so that we're ensuring that Florida is the state of choice for veterans to own operated business. And so, you know, we're, we're working towards figuring out what are, what are the biggest issues facing veteran businesses. And some of those may be specific to our community. Some of them may be facing all small businesses, which really is a small business focus. And as, in order to get there, there, we do all this connecting and forming stuff, right? We want to connect our members together. We want to connect our members with other people that can possibly um, support them in their business endeavors. And we want to form them, form them about opportunities, uh, form them about programs and resources they can use to, to grow their business and, and get into new market spaces and everything. I've been doing it for a little over two and a half years now as the executive director. And as I've been saying lately, it feels like every day is day one. And a big reason for that is how big this is that we're trying to do. I mean, in the end, we're trying to wrangle 100,000 plus veteran businesses into one organization that is ensuring better conditions. You know, that's one of the, the cells I hope for, for people to join us is, it's, it, yeah, it's a little bit about you and your business today. And, and we hope, certainly want to help you grow. And that's a big portion we're trying to do. But it's also about the, the next generation of veterans coming out who are going to be looking to start a business. What we can do today and improving things will just make it you know, better for them coming later. So Because that was started by Michael. Correct. Yeah, Michael Waldrop. With, uh, and he's also done Camaraderie Foundation. Yeah, him, part he, of that. he and Marnie uh, started Camaraderie for that. Absolutely. So, and you, there's three branches now, or three? Uh, three chapters. Three chapters. Yeah. Sorry, not a branch. Three chapters in Palm Coast uh, or yeah, Space Coast. Call it Space Coast, uh, Orlando, and, and Tampa. Tampa. Focus mainly is on Tampa right now that, to get them growing more. We've got really good interest in the Panhandle and South Florida. But, uh, you, know, you know, one of the, the little notes you had down here is about, you know, overall nonprofits. Look, Nonprofits are hard. Oh yeah, because um, they're almost all volunteer driven. It takes a while to get the revenue, so you can have a staff and everything. In the end, the most important thing is leadership, and that's that's one of the the things that that wanes off in a lot of organizations is, is leadership. So we've got interests across the state, but we've got to make sure we can find leaders who are going to run those chapters, and then that they're ready to find the leaders after them. Because passion will only get only, you so far. Only get you so far. You've got to create a sustained organization that has processes in place, has revenue in place, and so forth. So you know a lot of these things are chicken and egg stuff. Uh, also, um, yeah. With with our with our chapters for Favob, they're next to burden, but they're also a necessity because um, and, and Tampa is a clear case of that. Before we, we um, officially launched the Tampa chapter last year, maybe 12, 15 members in the area. You know, and then it grew to seventy five, eighty within months after it. And people just wanted to have a chapter there. We know the same thing will happen across the state as we develop more chapters. We'll even get that much more influx of members, but we have to have leaders who um, will take on the responsibilities of, of running those chapters. You've you got to figure the Air Force Base over in, in Tampa, so there's probably people exiting, mm -hmm. coming out of there. You've got the East Coast, which obviously we've got bases in the East Coast, so Panhandle the same way. So you're kind of picking and choosing those areas that have potential military exiting from those locations. This is more Barron's opinion, I guess, but I think it's proven out and stuff. The transition to military member is not the target for who you want to have start a business. Some some people in the military are 
starting businesses and even running businesses while they're in the military. But really, the majority of us, we got to figure out what we don't want to do before we figure out what we do want to do. And trying to get a, a, a transition military member educated on starting a business, I think, is just too early. They need to go go do the regular job thing and, and, and hate it or learn from it and think, I can do this better. And then they want to start their own business. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good way, I think, to approach it because it took me, I don't know, about 55 years to figure out what I wanted to do. Have you figured out what you want to do yet, Craig? Uh, no? Retired. Uh, you're retired, <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's doing that. Well, and I know you've got a lot going on today, and I appreciate you coming in and chatting to us, chatting to us for a bit. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't get covered on the list, but I really wanted to get more of your passion and why you do what you're doing. Anything else? Any closing comments before we? No, I think Baron said it all. It's it's all about passion, but it's all about leadership. You got to have the right mentors in place to bring the other people above. They have they have the they have the initiative, but they need somebody to pull them. If I can, let me finish up with two points. Number one is that for especially transition military, any veteran, if there's something that you're looking to do, I guarantee you there's an organization out there that's already doing it and can help you in what you're trying to achieve. Whether that's getting a better job getting a new degree or certification, starting a business. There's so many, you know, over 40,000, 45,000 veteran nonprofits in the U.S. There's a ton of help out there. The dovetail off of that is think hard about starting another nonprofit. There are so many out there. Are you really filling the gap that isn't currently being served? One of my future projects is to figure out, hey, how do we get more veteran service organizations to actually merge um, or, or acquire each other? Actually, it's, I think it's working out. We've we've tapped out a lot of people that, that like yourself coming on here. We get educated by people coming on so we can show we start forming that group. My wife and I and our board run a nonprofit, Kids in Support of Soldiers, that you've, you've been, you've experienced. But you're right. So many of them say, well, this is my little niche. I don't want to share with anybody. So they don't partner and realize that, okay, now you might be able to double your influence if you partner with two or three other organizations without feeling like you're going to steal from one another. It, it, it's, it comes back to camaraderie. It, it's like we're all one. Mm-hmm. And, and we all have something off that may be slightly different from one another. But there's going to be a time or place that you might need me or might you. And, and I know I've talked to you about this a lot. And I refer, I refer you out a lot. And I'm sorry. You, you're good. You're everywhere. And everybody knows you. And we need more people like you. You need to rest, though, Thank dude. You. you need to, you know, you're getting gray. You're not quite nearly as gray as I am, but you're getting grayer there, buddy. That's going to keep happening. I think. Yeah, it's going to keep happening. It's just, that's just part of it. So, again, man, thanks for being in here today. We appreciate it. Thank and you guys. Appreciate it, if you need to get a hold of him about a variety of things, you can look him up. It'll be in the post. And, Call him and tell him you need help. Hey, it's a household name. Barron's everywhere. He's running for Congress, I think. I think he's... he's... No. No, come on. Thanks for listening to the Check Your Six podcast. Tune in again next time for more information on your small business development.